And sorry about my voice. I did karaoke a few nights ago, and my um, <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's a great podcast voice. It's a little raspy. I like it. I know, right? I, I feel like I feel I feel like a, a more real podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. It's 6-1999. Welcome to The Dairy Connection. This is a special edition of my podcast. Um, I don't usually get to review things before they come out, but I got um, I got to watch a few episodes of Castle Rock, the new Stephen King show, and I'm very lucky to have my friend John here who works for Den of Geek. Um, John, say hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Of course. I And John, I've been wanting to get you on the show forever. I, I feel like I don't remember exactly when I started following you on Twitter, but it was definitely Stephen King related. Like I think I was reading some article that you had done about Stephen King and I obviously follow a lot of uh, a lot of Stephen King fans, um, but you're one of my favorite people. Like I feel like you always get um, early access to these things, but you always have really interesting um, like thoughts about various things that are coming out. Um, but I don't know a whole lot actually about what your relationship, like how did you get into the whole Stephen King thing? Uh, sure. No, I mean like this is going to sound super cliche cause it's a lot of writers, but um, I uh, started out, I went to school for fiction writing. Okay. Yeah. That's mostly what I do on my off time um, when I'm not writing for Den of Geek and uh, Stephen King's the reason I wanted to be a writer. And I think that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like wholly unoriginal because I feel like it's it, it's the origin story for a lot of writers that I actually love. It's like, oh yeah, we read Stephen King, and then like this is the only thing we ever wanted to do. Yeah. Um. So that's always that's that's been what uh I've wanted to do for a very long time. And I think the very first Stephen King book I read was in the eighth grade, and it was Eyes of the Dragon. Oh yeah, that's which is awesome. A, which is a perfect one to start with, um, because it's a little bit more of a fairy tale. Totally. Um, and it's very different for everything else he's done, and I you know, that, that just grabbed me right away. And then, you know, I think the next thing I read was Carrie and then mm-hmm. night shift, which is like one of my old time favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, you know, I just like tumbled down the rabbit hole really quickly after that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just been great. It's, it's, uh, I've loved every Stephen. I haven't read all of them. I'll preface this by yeah. saying I'm not, <laughs> you're like probably way more advanced than I am, but I don't know how many, how many do you think you've read? Oh man, I've read maybe like half of what he's done. Like he's done so much though. Like, you know, like what it is like, I've, I'm a short story writer. So I focus a lot more on his short stories Mm -hmm. because I really, really love them. I've read like the dark tower, things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't read every single one of them for sure. Yeah, I've read. I just did the math recently, because um, and it's actually it's kind of funny because it's hard to keep track of how many he's done and how many I've written or I've read because they come out so quickly. Yeah. So I have like I have a list that I keep, but I think I'm already a couple behind. But last time I checked, I think he had published, including um, the collections of short stories, something like seventy four books, mm-hmm. and I think I had read. 40 something of them. So I've read last time I checked, I had read like 60% of all of his works, yeah. um, which is crazy because I feel like I've read so many Stephen King books. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just yeah. too many to, to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's super prolific and uh, it's great, right? Cause you, you get one or two new Stephen King things a year. I think he's publishing two this year. I think he's got, yeah. ele- he's got the outsider and elevation, I think, or his two yep. here. Um, plus all the movies and TV shows and all this wonderful stuff that, uh, for some reason, Hollywood and and Netflix are all discovering Stephen King for the first time. I know it's uh, amazing. 
I feel like yeah. this happens like once a decade. Is he like he gets hot again mm-hmm. and everybody suddenly has this fresh interest in him? Yeah. And this might be controversial, but this is the first time a lot of, you know, networks and things are doing it right. I agree. I think you so know? too. I did you watch um so the ones this year that I've it obviously was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I really liked Gerald's game. Like I, I was sort of concerned about how they were gonna possibly make that an interesting movie, and I think they did a really good job. And yeah. um I watched uh what's it called, 1922? Yeah. Um, which I thought was okay. I mean, again, that's sort of a hard story to make compelling in a feature length movie, but sure. um I totally agree. I think they're finally putting like real resources and thought behind it. And yeah. I think the I think the reason it's doing so well is I feel like all the people making these works are Stephen King super fans, which hasn't right. been the case before. Right. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? Like it it all of a sudden it's people who grew up reading these stories and who appreciate them. Even yeah. with with Castle Rock, I interviewed uh Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason at last year's uh, New York Comic Con. about the show and they just seem like they grew up like us reading all of these books and just always wanted to write about them and and create shows about them and do stories revolving around them you know and i I think that 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 wasn't the case and you know it was a lot of suits trying to see how they could make a pg-13 movie which is unfortunately what happened to the dark tower i feel like um yeah i can't talk about that one (laughs) yeah no which i i don't know if you've done this on your podcast yet but i've really want i really wanted to love it uh I actually, the day I saw it, I, I, they, uh, Sony, I I think it was Sony flew us up to Maine and we all got to interview Stephen King. Oh my Um, God. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they, you know, showed us a, an advanced screening of the movie and I really went in like, obviously already bribed and just like so humbled by meeting Stephen King. I was like, I'm going to love this movie. And like, it's really hard to love it. I thought it was okay. But then I rewatched it after, you know, my Stephen King goggles were off and it is just not great. Yeah. It's well, and it's weird because I'm curious what he said about it because I remember when I went in, I had such high hopes because he had been tweeting about like, he thought that they did an amazing job and he thought that it was like, you know, the first good dark tower, like the first stab at actually doing it well. And I was so disappointed. Yeah, I think that what he what he thought of it, I think that he thought it was a good attempt at making it um making it uh like relatable to, to new audiences. Yeah, yeah, to general audiences, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the fact that it's a PG thirteen is already kind of a uh a red flag for me anyways, because I mean the Dark totally. Tower is is exactly that, like super dark and violent and and yeah. and you know, gory and kind of incestual and weird. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, I think that the fact that they tried to, you know, cater to so many different audience members was a bad move. And then also trying to distill, you know, I don't know how long this saga went on for 20, 30 years of mm-hmm. Stephen King storytelling into one movie and remixing all the weird things they did. And Matthew McConaughey is like infamously yeah. bad in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's clear he's like, you know, cashing in a paycheck, um, Idris Elba does a really good. I think he's a great role. He tried actually. his best. Yeah, he really I, did. I think he's great. I think Tom Taylor did an okay, like an okay job as Jake, but yeah. um, but yeah, that movie is just you know the pits. It's not. It's it's. I don't think it's the worst Stephen King movie ever made, but it's like pretty no. Bad. Yeah, it's well, and I feel like I think they failed new. So I went with a group of my friends who a lot of them like hadn't even read The Dark Tower. And so I got sort of both sides of the spectrum. Um, They didn't understand what was going on. So I think they tried to dumb down The Dark Tower in a way that people would understand it. And they didn't Mm. get 
anything. Like they were like, what even happened in that whole movie? And I felt like as someone who obsessively read The Dark Tower and talks about it all the time, the trailer made it seem like it was going to be one of these one of these movies that's for super fans. And it's like, there's all these hidden references for mm-hmm. you and you're going to like finally see all this stuff, you know, come to fruition on the screen. And I was like, I do this every time I see a movie, but I was like, you know, I keep track of all the connections as I'm watching. And there were like four. And I was like, okay, the number 19, some twins. And then it's just a boring action movie. Like they really don't try to infuse it throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, as soon as you have, like, Roland doing, like, bullet time, Matrix style, like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm over this. I know, like, it, just, it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, but I do think Castle Rock works. I think so, too. So what, yeah, what was your, like, what was your thought of it? What was your impression of it before you watched it? Like, what did you think it was going to be like? Well, you know what? Like, I think that I didn't expect it to be uh, as serious as it is like i think it's like a a very serious uh character driven drama kind of almost very true detective-y in a way um but i expect this to be a little bit more like twin peaks to be honest Mm -hmm. like a little bit more Mm -hmm. campy and just like just the way the trailers played and stuff like that i i like the very the very first trailers now maybe like not the latest ones but like the very first trailers made it seem to me like it was gonna be a story and it is it is very much a story about a town full of secrets but um, it's nowhere near as lighthearted as I thought it was going to be. I think that um, I expected the show to have, and you know, this is not a neg on the show. I think the show's the show's doing a great job, but I I, I was expecting it to have a little bit more fun with the material. But I think it's like definitely they've taken it into like very serious territory. Um, yeah, which, which I also like. Uh, but you know, I, I guess I guess there's not enough like Stephen King campiness, and I guess I wanted that from the show. I um, totally agree. I I think that's the thing missing for me too. Is like it's I I. I just watched the end. I know you got through episode three. I just finished episode four this morning and I'm just. Oh, I watched episode four actually too. I cheated too. You did? Okay, good. Good. I, cause episode four was like the moment that I was like, okay, I actually might love this show. Mm -hmm. Um, but until then, I was like, I'm not sure this would grab me enough if I wasn't already a super fan. Right, um, right. I, I don't know why they sort of sl- started off so slow, but how how much do you think that has to do with the fact that originally they didn't think they were going to be able to actually make it a Stephen King show? Like, do you think they went you know, that far from the Stephen King campiness because they didn't have time to remake the whole thing once they knew that they had that option? Well, you know, that's a in- really interesting point. A, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it didn't start out being a Stephen King show. Um, like until actually- I said that just now? Or yeah, I did not, I, no, I did not oh, know that. Yeah. So it's, I, I just assume they talked about this. So they, they, the two of them are Stephen King super fans right. and their plan was to make a Castle Rock-esque show that sort of like right. drew, so more like um, Stranger Things, right? Where it's like clearly sort of inspired mm-hmm. by Stephen King, but mm-hmm. not actually in the world. And I think sure. like somewhat, re- like maybe a year-ish ago, they got the the rights to it. I'm totally making that up. I don't know when it happened, but like after they'd already right. written the whole series is what I heard. Um, and so that's when they were able to like put in all the references and actually use, you know, Shawshank and all these, all these cute things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious if they had known that from the beginning, if it would have that more campy Stephen King feel, because that's what I was expecting as well. Wow, that's crazy because I think mm-hmm. that the huge disconnect is those first two episodes compared totally. to the third and the fourth. Like, yeah, I think those, post, those first two episodes, I'm like, why is this kind of slow and not quite like I don't I don't think the characters are clicking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of weird tonally to have this kind of like very uh, serious and slow. I don't know. It was it, like I, I think that. Some parts felt like a little tacked on. Like, I don't want to spoil them, but like there were certain parts that I felt like, oh yeah, this seems like a Stephen, Co- Stephen King show someone would make. 
And this right. other thing seemed like, oh, this is just like a detective drama. Totally. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I for me the the worst offender. I mean, there's there's a bunch of these. I could I could list the whole thing, but the worst offender to me of this sort of being tacked on was there's a character named Jackie Torrance, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's something I really wanted to talk to you about. Like, do you think yeah. something like do you think something's gonna come out come like come of that? Because I mean, there is a character on the show that could be kind of Torrancey, but it isn't her. Right. I hope so. So I'm here's what I would love to see from this show is all of these like so there's a lot of great connections. Like I think they worked in Shawshank and a bunch of other things really naturally and we we can talk through some of those, but like mm-hmm. all the things where it's like this person is named like has the same last name as a Stephen King character or whatever. I would love if it comes out that Jackie is related to the Torrances and maybe she secretly has the shining and we don't know yet. Like that would be that would make me so happy if that's the direction they're going with the show. If it's just that they're like naming people things that are similar just to be yeah. like, oh, I recognize that name. I'm not going to be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, and that, and that's my thing. That's like a major criticism with that character because I think that Jane Levy's kind of int- like, it's, pr- is pretty interesting in that role. Totally. Because it's yeah. like one of those things that she pops up randomly. Like yeah. she hasn't had like an actual arc, but she just like randomly pops in with all of the main characters to like yeah. talk them through something or just, you know, discuss like the town's history. So that's mm-hmm. a really weird thing. Like she's a very weird presence on the show. And I really like that. And I think that a lot of Stephen King's work has that kind of character where it's like the okay. character just kind of pops up and, and reminds you that thing- things are weird. Um and, well, and that, that every every minor character has their own arc, right? It's like he yeah. that's that's something that like Stephen King critics say about him a lot that it's like he goes too into detail with the side characters, but that's one of the sure. things I love about him. And I do think she's she's evidence that maybe they are thinking that way. Like I would love if it turned out that there's like a huge cast of characters on the show and you get to learn like little pieces about each of their lives. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's something that the show is it, I again I think the third and the fourth episodes are where this show really clicked for me and I was like, okay, okay. I'm here for it. Like I will now watch this show. Um, And those first episodes just didn't do it for me. And I think that, yeah, like what you're saying, I think that um, all the side characters are like super interesting. I'm really intrigued by even like by Jackie, even though I don't know anything about her. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, I I, I think that what Stephen King does so well is these character driven stories. Uh, I think that sometimes he gets in like, I think sometimes he gets himself in trouble plot wise. But I think when it comes down, you know, I mean, there's certain books, right? Where it's like, oh, God. Um, Are you thinking of Christine? Because that's sort of the big one. Yeah, yeah. That's one for me, like, where I'm just like, oh, God. Um, but when it comes to the characters, the characters are almost universally really interesting. You know, like, they're totally. almost always, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even, like, something like, I don't know, Duma Key, where, like, I feel like nothing yes. happens. Um, I can follow Wireman forever. I could just read yeah. about Wireman for the rest of my life. I totally agree. I love that book. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's about like nothing. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, and and that's the thing. And I think that when people tune in for a Stephen King thing or like read a Stephen King book, people that don't really read them uh, sometimes expect a lot of plot. They expect like James Patterson, like quick beach read, totally. and it's like not that. And I think that's what makes them so special. And I think that the show is 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 definitely trying to do that again more effectively in the third and fourth episodes. I think that they mm-hmm. finally start to like. Uh, dig into like Alan Pangborn and uh, uh, Henry's mother, whose name I can't remember, but is played by the wonderful Ruth. basic. Yeah. She's um, so good in this. But yeah, like I'm wondering what you think about seeing all of the familiar faces on the show or rather the familiar characters, whatever, like all of these, yeah. um, whether it be Alan or whether, whether it be Sissy or, or Bill Skarsgård, what do you think about that? 
I I think it's fascinating. I mean, I so my my original hope once I heard that Bill Skarsgård was in this was that this show was going to be an origin story of Pennywise. Like that would be my heaven if it's like we because you never a, a big thing about Pennywise and you know the various forms that he takes throughout Stephen King books is like mm-hmm. you never really know where he came from. He's just this sort of like otherworldly figure that has kind of always been haunting Derry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would obviously I think this one seems to take place in the future, like a, ahead of all the events of, of right. it. But right. my original hope was like maybe this is like, you know, in the 40s in Castle Rock and it's like how all this stuff happened. Um, I think it's really I think it's an interesting choice to use all of these Stephen King character actors. Um, I do wonder if it's sort of a just like a ploy to get Stephen King fans excited because I so far it's like, you know, Again, like it would be so cool if like it turned out that Sissy SpaceX character was actually like Carrie in the future. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just like I would love more of a tie-in. Um, but I, I do like their their commitment to the Stephen King universe. I think I think that's important. Yeah, and you know what? Like that that's really interesting. You mentioned that about Sissy because I kind of want that to happen, but also I know. um it reminds me of like I don't know if you watched like the Exorcist TV series. No. Uh, you shouldn't. It's terrible. But the one thing, and I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, for anyone who wants to watch uh, The Exorcist, but um, it's revealed that the main character who I can't remember the actress's name, she's really famous. Um, but her character ends up being the little girl from The Exorcist. But you don't find out until like midway through the series. Yeah, I uh, love that. That it's like, oh, my God, it's actually, you know, Linda Blair. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 you know the, the little girl from the movie, and th- like she's changed her name, her identity, and now her daughter's being haunt has being haunted. Um, that's so cool. And like that's kind of the same thing I kind of want for some of these characters. Like yeah. I like honestly, like what you're saying about um, about the kid maybe being Pennywise. Like I like honestly, I haven't discounted that. Like even if it is pleasant present time, like right, I ha- it might just be like this is the new form of Pennywise. Is like he just yeah, sh- sort of showed like I, I've not discounted that because it's very he's very weird. Yeah. Like, well, he's, yeah, let's, let's talk about the kid because I, I have a lot of different theories about what might be going on there, but the, I don't yeah. think this is a spoiler if we sort of talk about where he came from. Right. I think that's, uh, I know. Happens. I think I, I, well, I, what I will say, and I said this in my review is that if you have watched all of these trailers, you have a general sense of where he's from or what his deal right. is. Right. Um, so I think it's okay. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I mean, spoiler alert either way, but I think that. Also, my show always has spoilers, so don't worry on my behalf. Um, oh, cool. But uh, so this kid gets discovered. So Shawshank Prison plays a, plays a huge role in this in this show. I actually think the opening sequence with the warden from Shawshank was incredible. Like I thought that was a really good opener. Um, yeah. So this kid is discovered in the basement of Shawshank Prison. He's in a cage. No one knows how he got there. And he mm-hmm. he basically sort of like gets brought up into the prison and he just he says the name Henry Deaver, which turns out to be a different mm-hmm. character. But other than that, he says almost nothing. I think I think for the first three episodes, he basically doesn't say anything. So we don't know his name. We don't know how he got down there. He's maybe what, like early 20s-ish or something. So he's like a young man. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously looks like Pennywise because it's the same actor. Right, because it's Bill um, Skarsgård, yeah. Yeah, but that's sort of all we know about him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I listen, like, you're, like, I think that Bill is so good at playing Being these, crazy. like, feral, yeah. uh, almost otherworldly characters. He like, really is. I, uh, yeah, like I, I, I spoke to him at New York Comic Con uh, as well, and he's like such a nice, normal dude. And it's kind of <laughs> like the same thing where Stephen King, where you expect him to be so creepy. But he's like such a normal dude, but these guys can just play like these really messed up characters. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think that um, 
I think that there's a lot of the same qualities between the kid and, and Pennywise in terms of like that feral otherworldliness. Mm-hmm. But there's also a weird um, vulnerability to the kid, um, which I'm not sure if it's a ruse or it's real. Like this kid just like legit doesn't know who he is or what yeah. he is or what he's doing. Um, but there's signs from other characters that they know what he is or, mm-hmm. you know, who he is or what his, what his deal is. Um, and uh, I think the show's done a really good job of building up that mystery with totally. with, with Bill's character. I think that um, as, a, as a series has gone on, I think that it's kind of played both ways where it's uh, there, you know, there's, there's, the, there's that weird scene. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about at the end of episode one, where like, uh, you know, and, yeah. it, it, and we're like, oh, this guy's totally evil. But then yeah. it goes to like, oh, he really needs Henry Deaver to help him. Right. Um, and you're like, oh, no, he needs help. And then you get to the fourth episode. Um, uh, and he has this one scene where he finally has like several lines to, to you know, he has several lines to deliver. And yeah, again, yeah. he's like super creepy. And I'm like, oh, no, keep him in the cage. Like. I know. Um, well, that's so. Yeah, the whole like the whole back and forth with him is there's a contingent of, of characters who think that they seem to think that he the way he's described is he's he's the devil and he's potentially the cause of everything that's been going on in Castle Rock, which sounds right. a lot like what Pennywise is to Derry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And when he has those lines, he says it in a way that's sort of like he's possessed or something. And so my current theory is that he's so one of the things he says in that short monologue is. Um, Something about uh, he he wears a, a a robe of blood, which reminded mm. me a lot of the Crimson King. And so now oh, I'm like, is this yeah. somebody who's being controlled by the Crimson King, who is this sort of like deep deep source of evil throughout a lot of different Stephen King stories, and and mm. possibly the reason that everything is bad in the world is sort of his deal. Um, but so I wonder if that's supposed to be what's going on. Wow, that just like kind of shattered my universe actually because I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't really look too deeply into his monologue but yeah that could totally be it and it would make sense based on right. like the the crimson king's mo which is mm-hmm. kind of like the cowardly puppeteer who like controls other people to do evil totally. thing totally. um so that could be it actually uh i don't i i'm trying to think if i if we've seen any other signs that it, that could be it besides that like he just hasn't been a very like overt character he's like very subtle yeah well, so the other the other th- piece that was interesting was like his relationship with um, what's his name Z- Zaleski or whatever his name is the uh, the young yeah yeah Zaleski uh, prison guard who's trying to trying to help him sort of um, it seems like there's a kind of potentially like he's either possessing that guy because he starts behaving weirdly in the last couple episodes. Um, but one of the things I noticed there is um, there's, this, again, not a big spoiler, but there's a scene where um, that guard uh, draws smiley faces on the the cameras. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and smiley faces is another theme in Stephen King books where they're sort of like the, um, the implication of something evil happening. So right. uh, Randall Flagg wears a smiley fa- face pin in the stand. Mr. Mercedes, the bad guy, like puts yellow smiley faces everywhere. There's a bunch of these. But I wonder if that was supposed to be another signal that it's like there is this sort of larger evil force controlling various characters and then i think it opens up the question of like are there other characters being controlled that we don't know yet right like we think that they're acting on their own free will but they're not um so i think there's a lot of really interesting questions about where people's motivations are coming from yeah yeah so i didn't know that zaluski was going to have such a like kind of prominent presence on the show yeah um and i'm i'm looking on imdb just to get like the guy's name his name is noel fisher and i think he's really great too 
Yeah, he's he's popped up a couple times and he pops up only a couple times. But like, I think that that's really interesting as the kind of like eyes within the prison, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, the prison's super, super interesting in the way that they've kind of portrayed it to uh, reflect, you know, current events and like, you know, current issues. Totally. Uh, you know, like like the you know the the privatization of, of of the prison system, things like that, like racial inequality, like all these things that um, I you know in my in my review, like I had to applaud Sean Thomason because they are doing uh, kind of like a, a bit of a like political like social commentary while they're doing yeah. like prison scenes, and I thought that was really really cool because I feel like you don't see enough of that in 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 Stephen King adaptations. Like I mean, like King himself does it all the time. I mean, like read yeah, Roadwork, but. Uh, read the you know like the long walk read roadwork like all those books are like social commentary i mean uh but you don't see that that often i feel like in the movies or tv shows i don't know i mean maybe like the shawshank redemption um but that's like even that yeah it's like so old-timey that doesn't even matter um but with but with this like i feel i feel like i really i i really love the modern shawshank like prison Mm mm-hmm yeah, um, it's really well done. And and the modern Castle Rock, too, in general. I mean, the you know, speaking of, like, racial undertones, it's like everyone recognizes Henry when he comes back to town because he's literally the only black person in Castle Rock. Yeah, I love that. I, like, honestly I love the fact that they address that, like, right away. Like, I mean, it takes, like, with, within, like, five minutes of him returning to Castle Rock, it's, like, uh, yeah. Ruth's mother, who who isn't all there, kind of, like, I forget who she thinks she's talking to, but says, like, oh, yeah, I adopted a black son. Yeah. Um which is like one of those things where it's like, oh, like, you know, like she treats it. I mean, she treats it a little bit like a big achievement. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, this community is like super, super white and and uh, sort of, you know, suburban and secretive and not super. Um, it's not a super welcoming crowd. Like, it's not the kind of main town you'd right. want to go visit. Like Bangor is like delightful. I don't know if you've been, but um, I, I super have. Yeah. Yeah, Bangor is delightful, but like Castle Rock is like, I would never want to go visit that town. Totally. Well, and I think um, Castle Rock is sort of based on Lisbon Falls in Maine, which is one of the places where Stephen King grew up. And we went mm-hmm. to Lisbon Falls. Also, we, I did a sort of like Stephen King tour of Maine, um, awesome. like, a, like a freak. But uh, Lisbon <laughs> Falls, it looks basically exactly like Castle Rock is portrayed in in the show. Um, oh, wow, but really? It's, it's ex- yeah, it's awesome. And they, they have like a big mill and they're like, it, you know, all the little streets and the little diner and everything. Um, but they... Um, that town, even now, when you go there, it's like it's pretty much abandoned. It's one of those small towns where like all the young people have left. So it mm. very much has this vibe of like it does feel like something's off about it. It feels like this sort of town that was left behind. And I think that the TV show does a really good job of sh- of making of giving it that feeling. I totally agree with you. Where it's like there's like and this is what I always when I read Needful Things, it's like this is the vision that I had of Castle Rock. Is like people are sort of furtive and like even when people are friendly, they're not really smiling with their eyes and like everyone seems like they've got something to hide. I think they've done a really good job of of sort of crafting that atmosphere. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's where uh, and it's. I mean, it's hard because I mean, Stephen King did this first before you know David Lynch and Mark Frost ever thought about it. But it's hard to ever watch anything that small town without thinking of Twin Peaks. Totally, you know what I'm saying because like it, it's like the the show that owns that trope, like the small town secretive. Uh, you know, you know, there's more underneath the surface than what it looks like, um, and I think that. Uh, that's where like, I like Castle Rock, the town really clicks with me is when, uh, he, like, uh, the show focuses in on just 
the characters as opposed to like going into the overall plot. Like just watching what Alan Pangborn is doing, even if he's like nailing a fence, like yeah. it's it's like really telling of who he is and even his lines and 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 how he like never smiles. Totally. Uh, you know, and like there's there's a couple of other quirky characters who like pop up like maybe for one scene. Like there's that one scene in episode four. Uh, where Henry Deaver goes and visits someone from Castle Rock's past, mm-hmm. which is super, super interesting. And you're not sure what's going to happen the entire time because you know that all of these people are not to be trusted. Um, you know what? Like even Henry is not to be trusted. I feel like there's certain yeah. things that he has repressed, which I think um, the show's doing really well too. Like he, you're not sure if he's a victim or if he's like has done something bad in his past. Totally. You know, like, I think that the show's done, like, has made me really paranoid. Yeah, and, like, even, I mean, my favorite character, we can talk about favorite characters real quick, but my favorite character, Molly. I love Molly so much. She is, uh, well, she has a a certain quality that I think will talk to any Stephen King fan. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we can just say, I think she has The Shining. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Um, She definitely has The Shining. And I think that that is so great. And the way that the show implements it is so interesting because you mm-hmm. get that little piece of story that you don't see in real life. Like you don't get to see it in real time. The little piece of story that, you know, two characters are talking somewhere across the street or across town, but then, but then Molly's heard it and Molly mm-hmm. kind of relates it in her own. Uh, Cause she's not great at communication. She has like crazy social anxiety, um, has to wear sunglasses. I, I guess that's right. She has to wear sunglasses to block out, People, I forget how how it goes. She she takes the pills to block out people's noise. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to be able to see or hear people, or you know, mm-hmm. she she is constantly in a kind of like buzzed state as much as she can. On I forget what what medication she's taking. Um, but I I just absolutely love her and like uh, Melanie Linsky, who was on Rose Red, which is like a yeah. really old Stephen King show. I forget who she plays, but. Um, that that's another character who's like been you know a Stephen King person who like is showing up showing up on this, um, and uh, yeah, I just think that Melanie Linsky's character has been really interesting and she plays it really well. Where like you know you learn certain things about her uh, that don't really reflect who she is now, but they kind of do. Like I don't know, it's just it's just like a big mix. I, I, I listen, I just love the complexity of all of these characters. Like I think all these characters have been really complex, even like really small ways. Totally. Well, and I think I think that again goes back to like in the first couple episodes, I was I sort of felt like her character was like a trope. Like it was like, okay, you're like addicted to pills and you live in a small town, whatever. And then once you figure out what's going on with her, you're like, okay, that that it opens up so much about her character and makes it so much more interesting. And I think it's true for all of them. Henry also and Alan, like it's you start learning so much more about them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, the show has been really great. Again, I think the first two episodes could have been a little bit more faster paced and not as slow as they were. Um, I think that they they focus too much on setting tone instead of like an atmosphere, instead of like, you know, g- digging into these characters and like at least letting us know what they're like and what their secrets are. And I mean, I know you can't you can't uh, unravel that so quickly. But yeah, I think that once the third episode came in and it's very Molly centric. I was like, Oh my God, this show is so good. And I mean, uh, yeah, I I think she's a really good, by the way, like that's something that Stephen King is really good at in his books is like every Stephen King book I've ever read. You're drawn in the first page. Like he's setting some atmosphere, but there's always action immediately. Even if it's like a, you know, a a secondary plot line, you get drawn in right away. And I do think that's something that people get wrong in their adaptations is like, they Mm -hmm. try to treat it like a more typical 
show or movie and it loses a lot of that like um momentum yeah would you well so would you agree that the third episode is where the stephen king story kind of starts yes for sure. And the fourth one, like the, I, I won't say what happened because I think it's worth being surprised by, but the scene yeah. at the end of the fourth episode, Amazing. I was like, this show is very good. And I, I wish like if that had happened at the end of the first episode, I don't think they would lose watchers. You know, like I think that's, um, I really hope people get to that point. Yeah. I mean, like in, even just the occurrence, but also the way it's shot in the very specific way they do it. Um, and it's, you know, it's a constant image that plays throughout every episode with that character mm-hmm. um, where it's like he's doing that exact thing every single time. And then you actually get to see him. Um, and, 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 and yeah, like I was blown away and I can't wait for the fifth episode. And I think yeah, that same. that that is a real testament to any Stephen King story is the fact that you want to turn the page. Totally. Um, and I think that, yeah, finally, like at the end of the third and then into the fourth, like, yeah, I just want to keep watching these episodes. I want to know what happens. And I forget, I think this is a 10 episode series. I forget how many yeah. episodes. This. Yeah. yeah. 10 episodes. It's like, you know, we're almost already halfway. I mean, we are. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that, that the show is, 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 is definitely uh, mastering the, you know, the character driven storytelling and the, uh, the kind of pace of like wanting to turn the page, like, you know, it's 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 plotty, but it's also uh, riveting and shocking and and uh, captivating. And there's always one more mystery, you know, yeah. introduced at the end of every episode or in the middle of an episode. There's always one more. Th- Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about some of the um, the connections that have that have been going on. Like as as someone who's read a lot of Stephen King books, do you feel like are there too many? Because I've heard sort of like complaints on both sides. Like, do you think it's too heavy on the references? Do you think there's not enough? Are you happy with the level of references? I don't mind the references as long as they're not shallow. So, for example, yeah. like what you brought up with Jackie, it's like, yeah, yeah. if her last name Horrible. is literally just Jackie Torrance, if her last right. name is just Torrance, and that's it, like I'll be annoyed by that. Yeah. You know, um, it's the same thing where like the Dark Tower did this, right? Where it was like, oh, all of a sudden they're like at Pennywise's circus, but it has nothing to do yeah. with anything. I know. It's just randomly there. <laughs> um, or there's a picture of Cujo or, uh, yeah. you know, wh- whatever it may be. It's like all random and it has nothing to do with the story. Um, but no, I mean, like, I think Shawshank is vital to the story. And I think mm-hmm. that um, I'm really surprised that they're able to capture the social commentary aspect of 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 Stephen King because I mean like a lot of these shows like again when they adapt these writers these really famous writers they forget that so much horror is 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 about you know commenting on what's scary to us like, as people okay. in real life and I yeah. think that shows forget that and they just go in for the monster and uh you know like it it is a great example of like doing it well as what well. like even it when it just comes like comes to like a coming of age story like everyone totally. can understand like what it's like being a little kid in a small town and maybe being bullied and not being popular and being kind of a nerd, um, but being more ambitious and more imaginative than anyone else in the yeah. town. 
Um, I cannot tell you how many people who are who are not existing Stephen King fans went and watched that movie and then came to me and they were like, "This is so deep! Like, I can't believe how like how strong the characters are and all the stuff that happens that has nothing to do with a clown." And I'm like, "This is every Stephen King book. Like, you think you know what Carrie or Christine or any of these classics are about, and it's like it's always this much deeper story of families or kids growing up or you know whatever. Like, there's always this element of humanity that I, I do think often gets lost." Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like you know, like I wish someone would do like a. I mean, like Shawshank Redemption is a good example of like yeah. a character-driven deep story, right? And I mean, like, and it goes from that to like then people think that a Stephen King story is Dreamcatcher, you know, like Dreamcatcher right. is like a completely different thing, right? And 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 I think that there are a lot more movies like Dreamcatcher than there are Shawshank Redemption. Um, and I think that so many, again, so many networks and so many, you know, movie studios forget that at the end of the day, what makes Stephen King so great is the fact that he presents real people. You know, he, mm-hmm. he creates these people and he spends time with them and takes the time to really care for them. And then like, you know, like there's the joke that um, Stephen King just kind of thinks of a monster and writes a story about it. And that's like right. so far from the truth. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. I mean, there is that whole thing where like Tabitha and would have that joke with him where it was like when the kid, when they were really poor and the kids were sick, you know, she'd say like, Oh, Hey, go create a monster. Right. Um, <laughs> And, and like, yeah, there's probably a bit of that. Like Night Shift is definitely like quick. I was going to say Night Shift is a great example of a lot of like just he clearly had an idea for a monster and then wrote a story about it. And they're all brilliant. But yeah, like it's like, oh, huge rat that eats people there. Boom. Right. Story. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like trucks that come to life. Boom. Story. Yep. Um, and uh, but that's not so that's that's very a small percentage of his work. Like, I mean, like I want. I want so many people and I feel like there's a lot of people that are, that are familiar with King and have read King that haven't read a book like Lisey's Story, which is Oh my god, my favorite. One of my absolute favorites. Yeah. Um Lisey's Story is like, you know, and like that's another book where I feel it's kind of plotless, but I could read about Lisey for like rest of my life, you know what I'm saying? Like totally. I could just keep reading and staying in this woman and like this relationships kind of like being in like the intimacy of this relationship, you know, like um and I think that uh, there's a lot more of that in the actual writing. And I think I that, think yeah, so and I think, yeah, like I think Castle Rock is really uh, capturing that. And um, I don't know what the original question was, but yeah, like it just, it just is, uh, is really great in that way. Oh, we're talking yeah. about connections, right? Yeah. 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 What else did you pick up on? Um, Let's see. There are a couple things like I, you wish I'd written them down, but yeah, the smiley faces were one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Alan Pangborn obviously is a connection to Needful Things, and I think he's in one other thing. I forget what it is. He's actually in a few. So Needful Things and The Dark Half are his two big ones, but right. he's in the short story The Sun Dog, and then he's mm-hmm. mentioned briefly in Bag of Bones and Gerald's Game. Well, there you go. Um, and I think that uh, the way that – I forget the actor's name, but he's really great. Um, hold on. I just want to look up the actor's name. Uh, it is Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He's really great. And I think that the way that they play him on this show, which is uh, could be sort of scummy. I don't like I forget how they portray him in the books. Like, is he kind of scummy in it or in these I, books or is I he like a little bit more like, dutiful? I remember him being sort of like a hardened sheriff. Like he's been through a lot and he doesn't yeah. take shit. But I, I do feel like I, I'm looking forward to them showcasing Alan Moore in the show because so far I feel like he's a little one dimensional. I think the actor is doing a great job, but like he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to, mm-hmm. to show anything off. And I, I would like to hear more from like Alan Pangborn, you know, in his old age has been through a lot of shit in Castle Rock. And I would mm-hmm. love to see more of like how that has shaped him versus just, as you said, I can see that he's like prickly and he's very, you know, like uh, focused on what he's doing and just trying to fix things. But like, I want that to go deeper. Um, so I hope that we get to see more of that in him. 
So like, I think that you're probably the master of connections. Like what other connections have you seen? I, okay. So there's a lot. I, I won't go through the ones that are like maybe a connection, but I'll tell you the ones, my favorite ones that I've seen that I, I think are valid. Um, so, and all of my favorite ones in the show so far have been the ones where it's just like, it's just very subtly inserted in the conversation. So it doesn't feel like it's being rammed in there. It's just like mm-hmm. the way that people from this town would naturally talk about things that have happened before. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think in the first episode, um, they talk about how they've lost four wardens so far. And one of the guards starts to say, there's the bullet where Norton, you know, like shot himself and his sentence gets cut off. Like they switch to something else. But in, um, Shawshank, there's a, uh, the warden's name is Norton and he actually does shoot himself in that book. So I thought that was a really cool reference to that, to like yeah. the history of Shawshank. Yeah. Um, also, in the first episode, when Henry is defending that um, the woman who's on on death row in the in the prison in Texas in Dallas, he mentions Richard Chambers was her husband, and mm-hmm. Richard Chambers is one of the bullies in the body. Hmm. Okay. Isn't that cool? And I don't know yeah. if you picked up on this one. The another one of the bullies shows up in this too. His name was um, Vince Desjardins, and his brother is the one that Henry goes to visit in episode four. Right. Yeah. So like a lot of cool, like those are the kinds of references that I think are really good. Um, there's, uh, they mention Nan's l- luncheonette and like they have a whole sort of like conversation about what happened to Nan. That's a, that's a store that uh, exists in Castle Rock. Um, mm-hmm. There's, oh, one that I really liked was um, the date Henry went missing, which you find out about from the little like newspaper clipping is yeah. January 9th, 1991. And 19 uh-huh. is a really big number for Yeah, Santa. yeah, yeah. Um, which by the way, like I keep, I, I now do this obsessive thing where every time there's like a license plate in a Stephen King show or book or movie, I try yeah. to add it up to 19 Stephen King for the record, almost every time he mentions a number, it adds up to 19. And I keep being like, that's the easiest thing. If you're like turn, if you're doing an adaptation of his work, just make every number add up to 19. I don't understand why they don't do it. Just so call your movie 19. Seriously. right? That's, <laughs> that's a good start. Well, and I was going to say like the one thing that I think is kind of lame about this show is the opening credits are literally just like pictures of Stephen King books with like the number 19 or red rum circled, which yeah. just feels like a little too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like dairy and it's got, uh, you know, uh, I forget. It's like a map. They have a map of like dairy. Yeah, in and it it's and- like, yeah, dairy is circled in Castle Rock. It's like I, I get that it's like trying to show new people who are new to Stephen King, like all the connections, but it's like, come on. Yeah. You know, what? I mean, maybe there's this connection. I just probably haven't caught it. You're, you're, you're so good at this. Um, <laughs> I've been doing this. Is, for a long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you're really, really good. Holy crap. Like I'm like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Ellen Pangborn. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm really surprised. Like uh, maybe they have, they have a name job, Derry or Jerusalem's lot. And I'm like I waiting know. for it. Like I know. I th- I, I'm sure they will mention Derry at some point. I would love for them to mention the other towns too. Yeah. I'm just waiting for someone to roll up and be a vampire. Like I really am. I know. You know, uh, 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 but you know, I, I think that also like, I wonder if that'd be detrimental a little bit. Like if, if Castle Rock is trying to exist within a bubble. I, yeah, I do think like they, I, I mean, I'm sure you, you've, you've heard this too, but like the creator said that what they're trying to do here is like turn Stephen King into a genre. So I think right. they're trying not to make it feel too much like, and it, it's also like, I think it's hard as we've talked about to do a good adaptation of an existing Stephen King story because people have yeah. in their heads how it should look and how it should go. So I, I totally respect that that's what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah. I, I do, I do hope that they keep leaning into it because I just, as a Stephen King fan like that, it's just so fulfilling like it's just so nice to see someone recognize those pieces because they're amazing like i when when you sit back and look at the universe not even world right like the universe that he's built across worlds um it's crazy and i I do feel like that 
the the adaptations that exist generally do it a disservice in like mm-hmm. totally ignoring those connections because it's yeah. such a joy. Like that's a big part of why I love reading Stephen King because I'm not just reading a great story, but it's like I get I feel like he's sort of doing some like leaving a little Easter egg for me, you know, where it's like I'm mm-hmm. appreciative that you're reading all my books and I want you to have this little sort of like bonus experience by by noticing this thing. Yeah, and I think that something that has to be said about uh, uh, Sean Thomas is that they're not trying so hard. Yeah. Like they're not trying like really hard. Like again, like I think the one thing where I'm like, oh, come on, is the Torrance thing that you mentioned. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I think that they've done a pretty good job. Like even with something as big as, again, something as big as Shawshank Redemption. Like right, the Shawshank it doesn't Prison. feel like shoved in. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh my God, look, it's like not huge right, lights. That's, you know? where, that's where John Coffey sat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh no, wait, we're, uh, you know, this is just part of the story. Right. And I think that that's really worked. I do think so. There's been a couple moments where they, I felt like they sort of had references that they wanted to bring in and couldn't do it naturally. So there was one where um, Henry is looking uh, through headlines of the library or whatever, or I think it was in someone's house, and he mm-hmm. finds headlines that are like, you know, about the rabid dog in Castle Rock or about yeah. the, it's like oddity store fire, shopkeeper missing, which is cute. Like it's a cute way of working it in, but it's like, okay, like obviously that's that's a reference to those to those books. Um they cool. also did, I forget if it was episode, it might have been episode three or four, but there's like a voiceover, um, which I think is supposed to be the um Warden Lacey's voice, but I'm yeah, not really sure. It's, it's Terry right? O'Quinn, who I absolutely love. Right, because he, yeah, he was great, by the way. Um, yeah. But I, so he does the vo- the voiceover and it, it goes, remember the dog, the strangler, the boy's body out by the train tracks. And it's like, okay, you're just listing Stephen King books, which I like. Like, I was like, okay, yes, I've read all those books. But um, I just sort of feel like th- those are less uh, fun for me than the ones that are worked into the story. One thing I'll say about that, because I, I love Terry O'Quinn, we haven't talked about him enough, but because yeah. um, I'm a huge Lost fan, oh, yeah. um, is the fact that they do use his, I, I felt like his narr- narrator voice in the second episode mm-hmm. is kind of reminiscent of like the way that Stephen King tells stories. Like he tends to use that. Um, I mean, he does a lot of first person, but he does a lot of like omniscient third person. Totally. Um, and there's always a voice that's in on the joke, you know, like it's in on the secrets, is in on all the weird things that the characters in the story don't necessarily uh know the complete picture of um and i thought that was really great like really well done and i was i was kind of like honestly i was kind of hoping that that would you know continue throughout the episodes like we'd get like a terry o'quinn like a terry o'quinn quick monologue every episode at some point like i mean I, i guess that like i don't know if that would like be detrimental to the show as well but like i just love that so much like that like kind of like I, yeah i agree it gets across the sort of like the um you're right it's like this this omniscient almost like the voice of of the town right where it's like yeah, exactly. sort of in every stephen king book you he there's always a chapter where he sort of takes you through a bunch of like tiny stories that are happening that give you a sense right. of the of the town at a on a bigger scale um yeah. i agree I, I think that would that would be a cool thing for them to keep doing yeah, I mean, like, I really hope that comes back just, you know, just so we can get more Terry O'Quinn. Like, I really I love him and I I love that voice and I love that connection. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like there are certain things where, uh, again, that like, I think that the show could have easily done just connections that you could, you know, you know, that you could see. Like, I get, uh, I'm trying to think like concrete connections like, oh, yeah, her name is Torrance. Like, this is Ellen Pangborn. But like the fact that it connects to. Uh, the way that Stephen King tells stories, like the way that they're trying to emulate that is really yeah. interesting. I really yeah, love I think it. it's really cool. And I think it's the first time I've ever seen that, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, well, I think it's funny because I think the closest thing before this was Stranger Things, which isn't supposed to be a Stephen right. King story, but they're Stephen King super fans. And you can tell that from the way, like everything from the visuals to the way that they tell that story. Yeah, yeah. And like j- quickly on this, but like w- when you watched it, even though you knew it came first, yeah, did you find yourself at all thinking, man, this is like very Stranger Things influenced in the way 100%. that they built the kids? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I I absolutely love the way that like history like comes back and influences itself. Yeah. Um and I was like, yeah, this is like totally like Stranger Things. I'm like, wait, no, this came first. Right, so I know. Things is, like it. I had I have to tell you, so I did um I recently did an episode about Lisey's story with one of my friends who had never read a Stephen King book and mm-hmm. she loved it by the way, but she right. um one of the things she said is she was watching season 2 of Stranger Things while she was reading Lisey's story and mm-hmm. she kept like noticing all these similarities. I don't remember what they were. Um mm-hmm. but you know like the monster that Lisey sees was similar to like the thing, I don't know what what it was, but um yeah. and I kept having a reminder like Stephen King wrote this like 20 years before Stranger Things existed. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I always think it's so funny to watch like non Stephen King fans experience him for the first time because they have all these cultural references that they don't even realize are were inspired directly by his works. Right. Yeah. It's like really hard nowadays to like watch a horror movie or like anything that doesn't have at least one thing by Stephen King. Like, it's I know. Very, it's so funny. Cool. I know. Um, well, and one, so one, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet about this show, um, the what do you think is going on with the kids in the town? Oh my god, yeah. Like, How did I forget this? about that? Yeah. Um man, that's creepy. Yeah. Holy I thought holy. it had a very like children of the corn vibe. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That is by far like I don't know how I forgot that. Like besides the besides the ending of episode four, that is like the best seat on this show. Yeah. Well, Has and it's that. weird because it's like there's been no other reference to that. I, I assume it will come back, but it's like there's there's just all these children doing very creepy things and they don't seem to have parents and uh, it's very suspicious. Yeah, and I'm like really glad it happens to Molly because like yeah. Molly's the kind of like weird character who would fall into that. Like I feel like Henry would be totally. like, nah. Like, you know, like Henry would yeah, be like, leave, yeah. nah, I'm leaving. Like Molly would stay and Molly would totally. play along. Well, I wonder, a piece of me was like, is she, did she hallucinate that whole thing? Oh, you know what? Is you think it was like a, like she was having The Shining at that moment? Yeah, like I wonder if she like maybe that's from a totally different place or time or. You know what? They don't reference that after she's in like after know, that's like after so that weird. scene. They never reference that like as in like you know like uh, this is not really a spoiler, but the cops pick her up and like no one like noted like reference those kids ever. I know. And you would think she seems like a very caring person. So you would think she would mention it to like the lawyer who comes and rescues her from, from jail. Holy that there's a bunch of unsupervised children. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but that's like really weird and probably true, honestly, because it was like so out of character for the show, which hasn't, hasn't yeah. been that weird yet. Right. I like know to have that one random scene. Yeah. Like, and that's a really cool thing about, that's another really cool thing about Molly is that, the, right, you never the, know. Yeah, and the directors and the writers can do these really weird things when she's around. Totally. They can do with, with Henry most of the time. Like, I feel like Henry, like, is a very, like, I, I really do think that this is a two main character story. And I think that Henry's part is very grounded. And then Molly's is kind of, like, really out there. Totally. And I think that, again, I think Molly's, Molly's story is way, like, way more interesting. And also, uh, yeah, like you said, like, I think that they have, like, a lot of opportunities to bring in really weird stuff. And I hadn't thought about um 
the little kid thing. But yeah, like that just made me like even more creeped out by that scene. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned, like, I I think you're right. Like there have been a few scenes where it's like, I'm thinking of the thing at the very beginning with the school mascot and that never gets mentioned again. Yeah. But like, there's a bunch of pieces of that that are, I do, I do think maybe maybe meant to represent how fucked up Castle Rock is. And one of the things I loved, this might've been in like the very first episode, somebody said, about Castle Rock, bad shit happens here because bad people know they're safe here, which I think is sort of their, that's how the people, one of the questions that people always ask about like characters in Derry or Castle Rock is like, why the hell do they stay there when all this stuff is going on? Yeah. But I do think they do a really interesting job of showing that like, you know, the bad guys stay there because maybe they're not all possessed. Maybe it's just that bad people don't actually get in trouble in Castle Rock because so much terrible stuff happens that you can like not get away with it, but sort of like blend into just sort of like, oh, it's this town, you know, like it's evil. And the good people stay there, which I think you see a little bit from Sissy Spacek is like, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not leaving. And, and she says something like, um, Alan says to her, you know, we, we could leave and move somewhere that's warm and where we don't have to fight so hard. Yeah. And she says, she says, I like fighting. Which is like the most badass line. It's so good. It's so, like she wants to, she wants to defend her town, you know, like it's yeah. all this terrible stuff has happened. And I think it's such a good, it's such a cool way of acknowledging how like ridiculous it is that all of these things happen in these two towns. Um, but why people still want to stay there. Yeah. And I mean, like one thing that then Sean Thomason pointed out when I talked to them was the fact that, um, you can't really ignore the comedy of Molly's situation. Like Molly seems to have had like some kind of like fucked up life or like some kind of, she definitely has a fucked up past. Um, but the comedy of her being a real estate agent in the most haunted place in the I world. Know. It's like, so good. Like it's so, so good. The fact that she's trying to sell houses to people. And like, there's that one scene where she's trying to sell it to that one uh, uh, couple. And she's like, well, he didn't murder himself in the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's so good. And just like the way that Melanie Linsky delivers it. Cause like, uh, Molly, the way that Molly's character is, she's always like kind of a nervous wreck and you can hear it in her voice. Yeah. Her voice really quivers the entire time she's speaking. Um, and just like the way that she delivers that line is so funny. It's Uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice also her real estate sign says live like a king? No, I did it. Wow. Yeah, that's good. It's another sort of on the nose, but yeah, it's cute. Yeah, that's really cute. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I like again. Yeah. I just like absolutely love, love, love Molly. Um, yeah. She's yeah, like, it, yeah. And like, that's one of, that's one of the things that like you said, like you have to ask, like, why don't these people ever leave? Like, um, and I'm really excited to see how Ruth's story plays in, in the long yeah. run, because I feel like she has a very kind of contained story. Yeah. And I think there's a lot there. I think I, my hope is that we're going to learn a lot more about like, we don't know anything about their decision to adopt Henry or what has happened to her. Like, we don't know anything about when Henry left or what that was like when he came back. Like, I I think there's a lot more to unpack there. Like, yeah. Like, do you get the feeling at all? Like, I don't think Alan's a bad dude. Like, I don't think Alan's a bad guy. I think that Alan is a person who wants to protect the secrets because he wants to protect the people that live there. Yeah. With the good people that live there. Like he wants to protect yeah. Ruth. You know what I'm saying? And I think that I wonder if there's going to be a thing where you find out that these people have been fighting these forces for so long because it would make canonical canonical sense. Yeah, I would love that. Right. If it turns out that they're all quietly like the reason that they're so sneaky is because they're like, what if they're trying not to get noticed by the evil forces or what if they've already exactly. defeated it once and they don't want it to come back? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Like it, it, it is a thing where, uh, you know, Ruth already had her 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 time to fight these monsters and right. you know, and Alan, obviously had, Alan obviously had his time to fight these monsters. And 
uh you know what i'm saying like i think that's really interesting yeah. the fact that i want the like like it's like it's like what you said about alan like you want that history to start coming through and yeah, i think that's totally. one, that's one way the show could do it right because like you know that alan knows more than he's let on like he knows a lot more right. um and he just won't say and i think again i think that even though henry takes that to be very uh condescending and uh antagonistic i think that he's trying to protect henry at the end of the day yeah. right it seems like it and, and i think and i think also i think they know more about henry than henry knows about henry like i think yeah. i think there's a lot more to henry that he doesn't understand you start to get he, he starts to have those quick very quick flashbacks about things that have happened to him yeah. um that i guess he doesn't remember and like that's another whole thing like how did you get like in, like amnesia like i know like when you like there tends to be like if you have a very traumatic experience, you can tend to forget them right. or block those things out. And I just wonder what those things are and whether, you know, like, should we should should we be rooting for this guy? Is this guy like not a good guy? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that they're I love that sense of like Alan and probably Ruth knowing way more about everything. Right. And right. And that's the reason that they're so closed off is because they are trying to to protect him. Yeah. And I think that's probably like the real like, I mean, I don't come from a small town, but like, I feel like that's probably the reality of small town living in general. Yeah. It's kind of like we know more than, you know, the outsider, but we like keep those things to ourselves because like there are private history. Totally. It's like a part of who you are. Exactly. And I think yeah. that, yeah, yeah. I think the show's done that really well. Um, um, and I'm like really intrigued by these characters. And yeah, like overall, that, like, like I said, my 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 official review is the first, the, stick through the first two episodes, just get yeah. through them because the third and fourth are like uh, so rewarding. Well, I feel after talking to you about this for an hour, I feel more enthusiastic about the show than I thought I did. Like, I'm really excited to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. I, I, like I said, like, I think that, especially now that you've put in all these connections, I think I'm going to go back and, uh, uh, watch these episodes again and try to find oh, all the awesome. connections you made. Cause, cause yeah, you're brilliant. Holy crap. Like, you know, all these connections. It's like, less brilliance and more just, uh, memorizing everything that, that Stephen King comes up with. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Maya, thank you so much, so much for having me. Thank you so much. I Like I said, I've been wanting to have you on the show forever. And I think that um, it, it's awesome hearing your perspective because you are so like deep in this, in like the world of the creators where I feel like I'm so focused on just Stephen King. Yeah. It's so interesting to get the perspective of like the people who are thinking about adapting Stephen King works and, and how to do all that. Um, I'll send you uh, I'll send you my full list of all the things that I found that I think are connections. If you find any other ones that I didn't find, let me know because I'll add them to my list. That sounds awesome. Uh <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Maya. Let's do this again. Like, seriously, let's. I know. No, I would love that. Something else at some point. Yeah, um, let's do it. For sure. Like, maybe we should do like a Castle Rock episode again at the end of the series or at the I end of the I love season. that. Yes. Yes. So let's we do can that. like see how, how right or wrong we were. Yeah, that would be amazing. All right. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again. You too. And have a great time at uh, your house mo- monitoring Comic-Con today. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Okay, thanks so much. Bye. You will find the dairy connection and we can party like it's 6 1999.